welcome to Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff. And this is your host, Dr. Jeanette Graff. And my co-host is here, Joey Camasta. Say hi, Joey. Hello, Dr. Graff. Always a pleasure. And Joey's on another podcast. Tell us. Yes, it's called It's Happening with Snooki and Joey. And you can find that out every Thursday wherever podcasts are found. Thank you. Okay. Well, I just want to get right into this because right now I have with me Dr. Martin L. Fox, who's the medical director of Clarity Refractive Services in West Orange, and he has a Manhattan practice, and he is, in my view, a world pioneer in all laser corrective surgeries. He is synonymous with laser, with LASIK. He is is doing unbelievable things to change vision. He's doing the camera implant. He's going to tell you all about that. And I'm going to tell you that he's changed my life because on June 21st of 2016, I had LASIK done in both my eyes for my distance vision. Uh, And I had something called a camera implant put into my left eye. It is so cool. That I'm the bionic woman. I can read without glasses. I can put makeup on. Without glasses. Close up in the mirror. Without using those distorting makeup mirrors. And that, to me, is everything. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Martin L. Fox. Welcome. Well, thank you, Jeanette. Pleasure to be here. You have done probably more LASIK procedures than anyone. You've actually one of the pioneers in LASIK surgery. Yeah, I was one of the first to do the LASIK procedure in New York back in 1997. Oh, my gosh. And... uh, I've performed about 40,000 LASIK procedures. Uh, LASIK has progressed to a point where we can say a good candidate can expect a 99% chance of being happy with their outcomes. It's really that good. But the wonderful thing about refractive surgery is about the incredible advances in technology that we're seeing in the field, including the first uh, type of uh, technology to correct for the need for reading glasses, which is something that frustrated us as refractive surgeons for many years. Now, could you just um, tell our our listeners, what is refractive surgery? Well, refractive surgery is a term that applies to the whole family of procedures that are designed to make an eye focus better. Many eyes require glasses or contact lenses in order to function properly because they have optical defects. Refractive surgery and the whole family of procedures therein are designed to allow the eye to focus better naturally without needing optical aids. Well, I know that there are a lot of myths and urban legends that, and a lot of misinformation among doctors and among people that if you had LASIK and your vision changes, you can't have it again. Is there truth to that or? No, absolutely not. But the fact of the matter is that a successful LASIK procedure usually doesn't require revision, although occasionally you can see patients 10 or 15 years out who will notice their vision not quite as clear as it it had been, and this is due to changes in the body that occur as part of the aging process. Those people are candidates for revision treatments uh, that can be done safely. Of course, we evaluate patients for safety to make sure that it's a go, and then they can have a a revision procedure at any time. Well, that's fantastic. Now, Tell us more about the camera implant. Okay. The, well, the camera, the camera technology is actually an inlay. That's the way we describe it. Okay. And the reason for that is it is a technology that is placed into the central portion of the cornea. The cornea is a clear focusing window of the eye, which is responsible for about 70% of our focusing naturally. Uh, 
camera is revolutionary, uh, both in terms of what it can do, but also the technology behind it. It, it, it makes use of a very simple principle of physics, which is if you, if you focus down the opening for which light must, through light must pass, you will screen out all unfocused light rays and only allow parallel rays of light in. The net effect of having a camera inlay in, in the cornea is that you have a dramatic increase in the depth of focus. And the beauty of this is that it doesn't impact negatively on your ability to see in the distance. So for the first time, we have something that can restore all the reading from all ranges, intermediate all the way to near, without having a serious impact on the ability to see in the distance. A uh, camera is a tiny, microscopically thin uh, a disc, about five microns in thickness, which is about the thickness of one human cell. Oh my God. Measures about 3.8 millimeters in diameter and has a small central opening of 1.6 millimeters. Now, for any of our listeners who may have uh, photography as a hobby or an avocation, they, they will know that and identify this principle of light very easily. When you stop down your camera to a higher f-stop setting, like f-16, say, f-22, mm -hmm. the net effect of that is that you incre dramatically increase depth of focus. And if you look at the kind of photographs that your cell phone takes, well, the, the cell phone has a small aperture lens, and the net effect of that is a portrait of somebody in the near ground is associated with the distance also being in focus. It's really the origin of photobombing. <laughs> well... I know that the company actually chose you to be the person who did the camera. Yeah, well, AccuFocus is a California-based Silicon Valley company who owns the technology. It's a private company. And they uh, went out and they found one, about 100 refractive surgeons in the nation, and they asked me to roll this out in New York about a couple of years ago. So I, we've started in New York, and we, since that time we've done about 170 um, inlays with the results getting better and better all the time, and just uh, we're very, very pleased to be involved with it. Is it imp it's installed the same way you do normally sick surgery? Like you like slit? I know this is gross, but you like cut the top of the li uh, eyeball and then you lift it up, like, and then you put the thing in and then flip it no. back down. No, Joey, this is different. And the, oh. the, the amazing thing about this is it's less invasive than LASIK. We use the same laser that we use in LASIK to make a LASIK flap. But here, uh -huh. what we're doing is we're actually making a pocket. Oh. The pocket measures about four millimeters in uh, depth and about eight millimeters in length, and that's placed about mid depth uh, in the. Um, not, we have, this only goes in one eye, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Down, I, I thought that. Down, I, down, that's down, why down. I thought it was interesting because I saw Dr. Graft, and you know, it's really invisible. But I like, had, you know, I went in and I looked very closely, and I saw it, and it's really cool looking. But I said, well, "What happened to the other one?" She goes, "That's how it works." Yeah, I thought you'd need both eyes. I said, "You have to do the non-dominant eye." If I had brown eyes, you wouldn't be able to see it. But I've shown it right. to so many people. I like seeing it. They kind of cool. freak out because my eyes are blue. <laughs> well, and within, within the next five years, this is going to be the topic of conversation at every cocktail party in New York where people are going to say, can you see mine? Because this is going to probably going to eclipse the, pop, the uh, popularity of even LASIK surgery. In New York, we have three and a half million potential candidates who could benefit from this. And the beauty of camera is its safety. The surgery is, takes about 10 or 15 minutes to perform. And if for any reason a person has trouble adapting to it, and by the way, in our, in our series of 175 uh, cases, we've only had three such patients who asked for explantation, 
Following explantation, the eye goes, the cornea goes back to its natural state, so there's no consequence of having the inlay and then having it removed. But I would just tell you as a sidebar that two out of the three who asked for explantation came back within a month begging me to put it back in again because they realized what they were losing without the camera inlay. And I believe that part of the issue was that they needed their distance corrected also. No, it, it, the thing about no. camera, the thing about camera is that it requires a, a, a bit of neuroadaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brain has to get used to the reality that the non-dominant eye is reading and has captured the reading, um, and ha- there has to be an understanding that it takes really good light in order for camera to work. Just as it is with a single le- lens reflex camera, if you walked into a dim room and you tried to take a photo, if you had your aperture stopped all the way down, the flash will pop up. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with, uh, with camera. It requires an understanding of the technology and an understanding of what makes the technology work. What makes camera work is good lighting and also a very good tear film. Camera doesn't create a, a dry eye. However, it does create a, an awareness of when the tear film is not as optimal as it should be. And that's something that can usually be addressed by blinking a few times or adding a drop of uh, lubricating drops. Ooh. And I, I just have to tell our listeners that I had this done. Um, the, the extent of my anesthesia were eye drops. That's it. Okay? it so you didn't feel a, a real thing? Felt nothing. How cool. It was completely painless. Is it because it's Dr. Martin's um, gentle touch and, and, and bedside manner, well, or it's just because it doesn't hurt? Beside the point that I was able <laughs> to hear everything, and this man is a master. You know, as a physician who has seen other physicians work, I can, I can say that. Joey, I just wanted to add, I yeah. didn't feel anything either. Oh, good. Well, that's important. <laughs> what do you take when you have LASIK? I know, I've heard that you give Xanax. Well, you could have, uh, most people give a little Valium. You know? I'll have some of that, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you. Even though I didn't even really need it. There was no anxiety. I it want was... LASIK. I'm excited that he's here to learn all about this. Well, LASIK and camera. Do you read I... reading glasses? No, not yet. I can see fine, like, here. You see, I didn't start wearing glasses until, you know, I was in my 40s, late 40s. I started wearing reading glasses. And since I wasn't trained to wear glasses, I treated them like shoes. And I'd throw them in my bag. Wouldn't put them in a case. <laughs> and then five years later... I was driving one night, very glary, and I could barely see the road, and I had to wear progressives because I needed my distance corrected, and I found it very disabling. Yes, no, exactly, that's exactly where if I don't have my glasses, like I forgot them at home one day, and I actually don't have to, or I have to order more contacts, but like I have, if I don't have my glasses with me, like I can't, I feel like I, I can't go outside, like, you know, I'm going to be like a hit by a car or something. So I would, I would have my glasses on top of my head, and I'd be looking for them, when they were on top of my head, but I would treat them like shoes. They would be in my, I, I'm not used to wearing glasses. And I found that I hated using those magnifying mirrors. Yeah. And that the idea of reading without glasses, the idea of being able to see myself without glasses, otherwise you would be a blur right now to me. Yeah, I wouldn't know where I was if I didn't have the glasses on right now. Well, you know, the beauty of refractive surgery and especially cameras is that it gives you freedom. Yes. Uh, it gives you the ability to uh, leave the house without any focusing aids and being able to function. Um, the ability to see your watch, the ability to see your cell phone, your iPad, uh, the ability to see the kid's homework assignment when they came running to you without having to search for your reading glasses. It, it's a lifestyle thing, but it's also a freedom thing. Do the glasses and contact industry throw rocks at your car because you're um, ruining their business? <laughs> 
Well, you know, something that we're not, we're, we're never going to take away the bottom line of glasses and contacts. Yeah. You know, there's no question about it. And there's room uh, within for the world for everybody to have their vision corrected the way they feel comfortable. But I can tell you that as a matter of course, what's going to happen, especially among the baby boomer generation, you know, ages like 40 to 65, as soon as the awareness uh, develops uh, about this technology, uh, there's going to be very few presbyopic patients, that's the term we use for people who have lost reading vision, yeah. that are not going to want a uh, camera. They, now, the interesting thing is presbyopia comes from a Greek term meaning old eyes. Oh. And the thing of it is that it's, it really doesn't apply to that demographic of individuals anymore. I mean, people in their 40s and 50s and uh, in, in our generation are at the top of their game, still climbing the ladder of success in their careers and their personal life. So the term is outmoded. Uh, just as uh, reading glasses will are soon to be. Well, I found that life-changing, and how commonly performed is it right now throughout the country? Well, uh, since the FDA approval in April of 2015, there have been 6,000 uh, inlay uh, implantations in the United States. Worldwide, there have been a, there are about 50,000. Uh, the camera inlay was in use in Europe uh, and in Asia and South America around 2010. Uh, took uh, the FDA that those that many years uh, to come around and letting us uh, adapt the technology here. I have to say both technologies, LASIK and camera, are amazing. But I have to ask you about something, and we'll get back to this because I have other questions. You are going to be, you were the chosen one again, mm-hmm. <laughs> pioneer. Um, there's a procedure where you're changing the eye color to blue, well, that's uh, that's still in the offing. Uh, there's a laser technology uh, undergoing safety studies now, uh, and we're hopeful that next year, uh, next summer, we'll be uh, starting to offer it to patients. And it is a, a safe technology that allows a brown-eyed individual to have their uh, their eye color changed to azure blue. Oh, how does it? How is that done with lasers? It's a it's a proprietary laser. Uh, that makes use of the body's natural physiology. It oh. st- stimulates a very, very low-grade inflammatory reaction, and the the result of that is that the pigment, the pigmented layer on the back surface of the uh, of the iris, uh, is depopulated. All the all the epi- all the uh, pigment is removed. Uh, this isn't available yet. Yeah. But uh, uh, we anticipate uh, that as as the initial providers of this at the demand is going to be overwhelming. Yeah, for sure, because all those yeah. people that have colored contacts. And what about, can you get green eyes if you want those too, or no? No, because okay. there's, there's really no way to modulate the body's reaction to the laser. Because you're not adding pigment, you're just removing pigment. We're removing, yeah, we're removing okay. pigment. But so is the color going to be the same blue for everyone, or? No, there'll be gradations, and it'll it'll, it'll be related to... How dark the their indi- brown eye is Or what right the individual now. response is, yeah. Now, if you're someone like me who already has blue eyes... Me too. Do you have blue eyes, doctor? <laughs> oh, we're going to have to get you the surgery. Yeah. Can would would this type of procedure brighten kind of no, dulling eyes? No, no, it's just it's purely designed to 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 remove the pigment just in a dark. Remove the pigment. pigment. But I have to again say it's it, the safety studies are not complete, and it's nowhere near being ready uh, for prime time yet. Well, I just wanted to mention that because I just think it's wild, and Joey's still here, so yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think that's. I think it's fun. I mean, that that goes into my world. That's like you know, cosmetic 
you know, enhancing. And that, that, I, that, that'll definitely be huge, especially in the Hollywood circle and with strippers. <laughs> strippers? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Why strippers? I don't know. I, I think strippers always wear those colored contacts, kind of give them a new identity. So, you know, they can change it up. I, don't, I didn't know that. Oh, I did, and <laughs> they do. And they're well, often not really nice contacts. They have that big I black think, string think, around them. I think Joey knows something that we don't know. Do. Joey, Joey knows a lot of things that mm-hmm. we don't know. That's why. It's been proven. You know, he, that's, that's why I, I have him as a co-host, <laughs> because he adds a lot. Thank you. <laughs> you need to have a detail guy. You need to have a facts guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's kind of on the dark side. I keep so it real. Keeps Look, it real. I, I, not everyone can be a doctor. Sorry, everyone. So who is not a candidate for camera? Uh, well, the, the, if, the, if a person has pre-existing eye disease, uh, such that uh, there's concerns about eye health, obviously it wouldn't be for, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be for them. Um, or more importantly, if a patient has started to develop cataract change in their eyes, um, also a camera would not be a good choice because camera is a small aperture device. It filters out light and only works, allows light through a small opening. So if you have cataract change in your eyes, well, obviously not enough visual information is going to find its way into the retina. If somebody has an issue with dry eye, with dryness, surface dryness, well, obviously that's going to have a big impact as well. But often cases we can correct that before um, we do camera surgery. Yeah, and the dry eye, which I have, you know, and and we knew that because we tested my tear production before I had surgery, and it was very sluggish. Did you? Did he make you cry in front of him? Like think about something sad. Try to, try to, but my like tear, an actress. My tear, tear tears of joy. <laughs> my my tear production was very limited. It was before the surgery. That happens when people like what happens? Like some people just don't produce tears, so they can be like bawling. Like after their husband left them, but they, the tears won't come out? Well, that, there are two different kinds of tearing. There's re- <laughs> reflex tearing and there's tonic tearing. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's some uh, women whose husbands have left that uh, can't, draw, can't, uh, can't cry also. Mm. You know, that's a problem. because they never really worked out in the first place. Maybe that's that was a different a, topic. Maybe there was a problem to begin with. Yes. <laughs> We're going off topic, but, you know, girl. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, so... So I'm constantly, you know, so I'm on restasis. I'm on, you know, dry eye medication, but my eyes were dry before I had the surgery. So it's important to keep them moist. Now, speaking of dry eyes, speaking of the cornea, you're doing procedures in cornea transplant that are quite revolutionary. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're one of the first practices to, uh, to make use of the intralaced laser when we do corneal transplantation. So... It's added a new dimension of precision in that procedure. Uh, the laser actually makes the outline for the corneal transplant, and our affiliated eye, uh, eye banks have the same laser technology, so they prepare the donor cornea. So when we go into the operating room to do surgery, it's a perfect match. And those patients are, are, have their vision rehabilitated within four to six weeks, as opposed to conventional transplant surgery, where it could, t- it could take six months to a year. Wow. To be able to see. That's phenomenal. And what else is new in refractive surgery? Well, there are many new procedures that are coming. There are, there's a procedure called SMILE, which works a lot like LASIK, uh, except the, the tissue, uh, instead of the tissue being removed by a laser, a laser actually carves out a small lenticle in the center of the cornea that matches the amount of tissue uh, that needs to be removed to correct. Uh, vision. And there are also a, a number of different uh, corneal inlays that are in the offing that are 
going to follow camera. And of course, we're going to be paying close attention to those as they come uh, because the field is, is just changing uh, by the month, by the year, and things are getting better and better. And we're quick reaching a point in time where if someone desires to have their vision corrected, we'll have a procedure for them. Well, you've changed my life, that's for sure. Now, you're an expert in the treatment of keratoconus. Can you tell our listeners what that is? Well, keratoconus is a corneal condition in which the structural integrity of the cornea is compromised because of loss of collagen. Collagen is the building block of the cornea. And for a a multitude of reasons, those individuals lose collagen. And when they lose collagen, the cornea loses its ability to maintain its shape. So it becomes cone-shaped in the most severe cases. But, but even short of that, the shape change of the cornea can take away from the ability for the cornea to focus properly. So and often those patients are often, in the past, required corneal transplantation in order to restore vision. But we have new technology now to both stop the progression of keratoconus and also to improve the shape of the cornea so that it can function better. We do something called uh, corneal collagen cross-linking, uh, which is a technology that allows us to make the cornea stiffer through the use of riboflavin, which is vitamin B2 and uh, and ultraviolet uh, radiation, low energy radiation. And we also have a, a, a procedure called intacts. Intacts are plastic rings made out of the same material as a contact lens, which can be inserted into the cornea with the very same laser that we use and we discussed before for camera and LASIK surgery. And those rings, those uh, uh, intacts rings, uh, can be implanted in, in a design fashion to improve the morphology of the cornea so people get better walking around vision, the ability to get a good eyeglass prescription, and in some cases the ability to even go on and do laser vision correction. Well, that's fantastic. Now, when someone gets seasonal allergies um, and their eyes get kind of blurred and um, and more dry, um, are there special measures that they should take other than just antihistamines or? Well, you know, the, you know, eye allergy is very, very common, especially in the hay fever season. Uh, eye, ocular protection is important in the way of wraparound sunglass. Lubrication is important because the first line of treating an allergic eye is just rinsing away the allergen, whether it be pollen or pet, pet dander or what have you. Um, and then additionally, of course, there are medications that can be used to um, stop the release of histamine, which is the chemical that causes the, the itching and the, and the redness. So oh. there are a lot of things we can do for that. What's coming up? What's, what's, what's next on the horizon? Uh, what is on the horizon is the, uh, the ability to make an artificial cornea, a living artificial cornea. Uh, right now, we uh, we depend on donor corneas that are harvested by eye banks from uh, deceased individuals who have willed their organs for the vision of others and the life of others. Um, but there is a lot of research being done in the in looking at the ability to create uh, a living corneal replacement, um, and it's something very very exciting. And uh, some of it has to do with stem cell technology. Some of it has to do with t- uh, cytology learning about the, the, the human cells. And uh, we, it, in the not-too-distant future, we are going to be able to create a, a living artificial cornea, not so much artificial in that it's plastic or something like that, but artificial in that it's living tissue created by men to replace the corneal organ. Well, all I can say is that 
just the two procedures. I mean, the LASIK has been around and performed by you. Uh, it was amazing. And I had my distance corrected at the same time as the camera. It took no time and no pain, no downtime. And um, if anyone is wearing reading glasses or they're just frustrated and they don't like the magnifying mirrors, this technology is available, and I want listeners to know about it and to understand that it's simple, it's painless. It, I, was, I was on the table maybe 20 minutes. The anesthetic was drops. The only problem with me is that I couldn't control my eye movement. <laughs> he said, look this way, look right. But anyway, Dr. Fox, if people want to reach you, if our listeners want to reach you, if they're interested in camera, LASIK, any of the procedures, or consulting with you, how can they do that? How can they reach you? Well, we have a number of different conduits for patients who are interested. Of course, the web page is central to that, which is LaserFox. L-A-S-E-R-F-O-X, laserfox.com, and that um, has a lot of information about all the procedures that we perform, uh, as well as uh, answers to frequently asked questions. We also have presence of very big profile on social media, uh, LaserFox on Facebook, and we also have CameraVision New York. And uh, camera is spelled K. Yes, K-A-M-R-A. And uh, we also have an eye color uh, page laser eye color change in New York, but although we're not really ready to talk about it, to promote it until we know the safety studies are done, it's unbelievable how much interest that's generated. And what is your office number in case anyone wants a consultation with you? Well, in New York, it's 212-838-1053. Operators are waiting. Dr. Fox, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. And I'm going to have to have you back again because things are moving a mile a minute. Jeanette, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, and live out.